Alright. Hey y'all. This is Everything Trying to Kill You. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. I'm Clint. Our lovely guest. Hi. I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> um, we decided that for our icebreaker we're going to do uh, the Which Famous Serial Killer Are You? From the Crime Museum website. We're going to take the quiz all together and then tell you who we got. So the first question is pretty vague. It says, um, pick a city. The choices are Miami, Chicago, Seattle, L.A., New York, and New Orleans. What do you guys pick? I picked New York. I bet I can... I would bet my entire bank account on what Mary Kay picked. (laughs) Mary Kay picked New Orleans. Yeah, I picked New Orleans, and so did Clint. And um, our next question is, what's your favorite season? Fall. Also fall. Um, I said summer, even though I know that it would be wiser to go in the winter because the snow melts all your shit. But it is really snow in New Orleans. I was going to say, anyway. but New Orleans isn't so. getting snow, so summer it is. Yeah. Just put the bodies in a bog. <laughs> I mean, I would just probably feed them to the alligators. Exactly. But that's Florida, and they don't really have those as much. And they got some. Do they? Yeah. Anyway, next question. What do you want for dinner? It's a long list, guys. You have a lot of options. Got a lot, plenty of options for dinner. A very rare steak, shrimp gumbo, hot dog, pizza, pasta, chicken, sushi, or somehow salad. Sushi. Boring. Well, I would say a very rare steak, but I've recently converted to veganism, so. Okay. So sushi. A salad. What did he say? Did you say a salad? No, you said you just converted to veganism. Vegans eat more than goddamn salads. Okay, clearly. Anyway, I'm going to go with chicken because reasons. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with pizza because that's what I want right now. Pizza. Yeah, well, I'm just trying not to overthink it because this next one is the question, right? How would you kill your victims? We have four options. There are many options, but this quiz only gives us four Shooting, stabbing, strangling, or bludgeoning. It was really hard to pick. I really wanted to pick all of them, but obviously that's not acceptable. It came between strangling and stabbing, and I think ultimately I don't want to leave a trace, but I still want to be in the heat of passion, and I'm going to strangle the son of a bitch. All right, do it. Clint? Like, I'm a fan of shooting just because I feel like there's a and Good old-fashioned shooting. Yes, it's just, it's very American. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And you are in Texas, the Wild West. And you are in Texas. Yeah. I'm in the gay part of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Um, I went back and forth between stabbing and bludgeoning, but then I had to be honest with myself and be like, no, bludgeoning is definitely how I'd actually kill someone because... It's going to be, like, impassioned and, like, I'm just going to, like, close my mind. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Beat the shit out of them. Yeah, and not even realize that I did it, probably, um, in this fictional scenario. In the future, that's not real at all. Um, (laughs) Good Next question. Pick a college major. Now, there are a lot of good ones in here. Political science, music, business, religious studies, pre-law, history, or gender and sexuality studies. I went pre-law. I originally wanted to go to school for law, and I was like, but no, ballet. So I majored in dance and do nothing with it. Oh, I see. 
Yeah, I picked religious studies just because I literally do have a degree in that, and it felt disingenuous not to pick it. That's fair. Um, I picked that one, too, because I thought that was closest to what uh, creative writing was for me. So, which is stupid, but that's... Um, that's okay. New question. Um, what is your best quality? No, this is going to be a hard one. So <laughs> that's not one of the options there, oh. non-physical kid. <laughs> but for real one time, just so you have a perspective on Megan's butt, we were going into the Beyonce concert, and we had to check all of our bags and get wanded. Going to, where was it? Phillips area? Yeah. In Atlanta? I think so. And um, the guy who was wanding her goes, oh, when you got to her butt. Do you remember this? I do. She, he goes, um... Is this gonna gonna beep when I swipe over it? <laughs> and she was like, "What?" No. no. <laughs> and the appropriate answer was only if you're backing up, right? Beep, That's beep, <laughs> anyway. So the, qual- the what is your best quality was the question. The options were my intelligence, my leadership skills, my charming personality, my passion, or my free spirit. <clears throat> Don't everybody spirit. all say who. If you pick free spirit, I'm going to bludgeon you to death. Because <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I picked my intelligence. Okay. The rest of them are just kind of stupid. Oh, okay. I picked a stupid one. What did you pick? I picked my passion. I put my charming personality because I feel like I am smart and I am passionate, but I can also bullshit stuff if I need to because I am charming. If you pick charming personality, you're going to get Manson. Um, you just won the lottery. What are you going to do with the money? Buy a lavish new home, pay off my student loans, go on my dream vacation, share it with friends, invest it, live off of it the rest of my life, or buy a new car. Student loans! I definitely thought you were going to say car. No! All the way, like, practical. You guys are boring. I think travel or go on my dream vacation. I can already go on my dream vacation. I fly for free. I don't need to buy a new car. I own my dream car. I don't want to invest it because I have like $50,000 in student loans. I want to get that debt off my back and then I can buy all the cars and I can go on all the travels that I want. Uh, Yeah. I guess that is kind of see Mary Kay's point because like if you're murdering people, like do you really care about paying off the government? But it didn't say that I was winning the lottery. Like if I won the lottery after I murdered somebody, like obviously I can't claim that money. Well, see, is it like, is it like, is it like Powerball or is it just like you won like a hundred thousand dollars? I don't know. I mean, dream big, Powerball, dude. Right? Especially well, yeah. Like, if I just murdered somebody, I can't go claim that, or they're gonna be able to track me. Or if I just won the lottery, like I can't accept the money and then go travel after I killed somebody because they're just gonna track my bank account or wherever some brown girl is spending loads of cash, and they're gonna come right to me too. So I'm gonna pay off my student loans. I'm going to GTFO. I'm going on vacation. Go I stand by my answer. Go for it. I'm going to do both. Pick a decade. <laughs> He's so responsible. <laughs> He's the one that, like, totally... He, he like, Walter White's the body. He, like, yeah. <laughs> He's so smart. That's because his intelligence. Like, there you go. There He's going to be his own man. He's none of these, <laughs> none of these serial killers. Okay, pick a decade. Um... 1830s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, or 1990s. This was so hard for me. I want to know where to fix the 1830s. Okay, that was not one of my options. (laughs) No, I didn't pick that. Did you pick that one? No, he said, who would pick that? Uh, I 
like go back to the time of steam engines and dirigibles. Um, <laughs> I just went with the eighties. I did too. I, I also picked 60s. the eighties. I went sixties all the way. You know, I went through a hippie phase. If you were arrested for murder, you would plead not guilty. Plead not guilty, but try to get an insanity defense. Plead guilty. Plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Plead not guilty, but eventually confess. Plead guilty, but claim self-defense. Flee the country and risk greater punishment. That was you, wasn't it? What? That one. No. I plead guilty, but claim self-defense. I don't remember which one I put when I took this the first time, but... I would either plead guilty and claim self-defense or plead not guilty but eventually confess. If I got away for a bit, I'd be like, guess what, guys? That's Kemper right there. Okay, well. Eventually turned himself in because he despaired of ever being caught. (laughs) That'd be me. (laughs) Chaotic evil over here. I just went with plead not guilty because I don't, like, why why muck it up with all these, like... With all the details? Like, I, no. I feel like I would I want the option to be like plead not guilty and then act as my own attorney just to like really <laughs> really put on a show that'd be fun that'd be fun to I would watch that I would too that on like the reenactment of it absolutely absolutely I would um if you killed someone what would you do with the body leave it at the crime scene dump it far from my home cut it up and hide the pieces in my home or hide it in my home none of these options no but you have to pick one of those four Dump it far away from my home. It is always far from your home. Yeah, as far away from my house as I can, in places that you would never see me go, like a sporting event. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd leave it at the crime scene. I don't want to, like like you said, muck it up and get my shit all over everything. Mm-hmm. I dig it. But I'd mess up the crime scene. I was going to say, I would be too yeah. afraid of leaving too many things behind at the crime scene. I would clean that shit up and dump the body in a place that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I can't remember what I put the first time, but that's what I choose now. Okay. Leave it. Okay. What'd you guys get? Who'd you get? Ted Bundy. Nice. Yay. Both of you got Bundy? Bundy and Bundy. I got Bundy. I got Eileen Warnos. I'm happy that's... with it. I mean it's it's a great one to get. She's pretty great. She's not great, but she's great. I mean if you gotta be a killer. If you've gotta be a serial killer, I would wanna be Eileen. I'm totally fine with being handsome Ted Bundy, Same. like charmer. Yeah, um, Eileen was not a charmer, but she did rob a liquor store. I think a liquor store, a convenience store, in a bikini. So I'm gonna do that. It will be a gold sequence bikini. Absolutely, and... I'd be disappointed if it was not. <laughs> and a fur coat in Florida. Yep, done. <laughs> I just invented the rest of that. Most of this is just we're just deciding but that's how it happened. I feel like that's every podcast we have a disclaimer they're like none of this is fact yeah this is just stuff we pulled out of our butts no historical record of that none <laughs> yeah you know oh, what we haven't done yet though talk about we have not told them what we're doing today oh do you what, what are we doing we are no doing <laughs> silence of the lambs <laughs> he's like why am i here why did you call me can i go home no, Silence of the Lambs is what we're talking about today, and I'm pumped. This is one yeah. of my favorite films. So we, wanted, <laughs> so we were all super excited about the character of Hannibal Lecter. Right? We all had, apparently, we compared our outlines and all had bookus to say about, about Hannibal Lecter. Yep. 
Yep. But I think Clint had some really cool stuff that he wanted to talk about, about comparing, like, different versions of Lecter across different, like, media sources. Okay. Take it away, Clint. Like, I'm on record as actually, like, I think that Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs is, like, gives a truly brilliant performance. Oh, yeah. Preach. Like, it's obviously, like, he got nominated for all kinds of awards, and, like, it's, like, so good that, like, people bitch about the fact that, like, well, he's only on screen for, like, 12 minutes, and it's, like, whatever. <laughs> but, it's like, true, I, he's only I'm on screen now, for like, 16 minutes. I'm in the column of, like, Mads Mikkelsen is, like, the best Hannibal Lecter from, like, the TV show, and, like, part of that is, is that he's just, like, a beautiful human being, but also that, like, there's, I don't know, like, there's more almost humanity to it, whereas, like, Hopkins is just kind of, like, playing, like, almost like this weird reptile alien sort of guy, like a lizard person, which is really effective, but it's also, like, it's so well-known in the culture now that it's, like, just really easy to parody it. That's true. And that's actually pretty true to the book, and I think all of us said that we read the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the book, like, Thomas Harris, he's, like, you know, he's writing, like, a pulp serial killer novel, but he's actually a really good writer, and he's got, like, this sort of very literary sense about things. Mm -hmm. And so, like, he described... Hannibal Lecter as being like he's got like maroon eyes and he's got like polydactyly like six fingers I can't remember I think it's on his right hand I can't quite remember I haven't read the book in a long time but so like Harris is like actively trying to make Hannibal Lecter like this otherworldly alien thing and and one of the ways he does that is actually Hannibal in the book is always written about in 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 the present tense and nobody else is so it's like he's set apart and it's like this very effective literary thing that I think Hopkins is kind of like playing up to. And it works really well in the context of the film. But then like when you watch like all of Hopkins' other performances like in Hannibal, it gets really hammy really fast. And then the other thing I think is it sounds the Lambs like Hannibal Lecter like is Anthony Hopkins now. That's the only performance that Anthony Hopkins gives anymore. So my husband is coming in. So we might want to pause for a second. Okay, I'm back. Welcome Hooray! back. <laughs> Okay, so we were talking about um, the his freakiness, or you were talking about his freakiness and the polydactyly with the maroon eyes and how, yeah. So, like, he, like, goes out of his way to, like, make this, like, almost cartoonish kind of character. And, it like, again, like, it works really well, but then it just, like, it goes so overboard in, like, the other movie, Hannibal, and... Like, again, like, Anthony Hopkins is now just essentially doing, like, that same performance over and over again in some ways, where he's just, like, really quiet, and then he gets really loud, and then he's really quiet, and everybody's just like, that man, that man right there is acting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, everybody always talks about him as as Sir Anthony Hopkins, and I'm just like, you're a freaking American. Like, you don't have to add the sir in there. I do. Judge me. We fought a war to get rid of titles. always Sir Anthony Hopkins to me. I mean, that's fine. You do you. But, I don't know. Gonna. Man, I had something cool that I was gonna say. You <sighs> forgot it. Edit yeah. that shit in later. Yeah. Um, I think it... I think it was talking about how um, he is that character. Oh, no, I remember how it is. You said it's so easy to parody him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, but I think that that is partly, like, I mean, of course, like, whenever you do, or you... One, Universal whatever you. one does something that's really exciting, um, it kind of like is like, oh, this person does something really exciting every time. 
And so it kind of, you're living in that shadow, I think, for a long time yeah. as an actor. I assume. I mean, I know that, like, writers do it and everything. Not that that's happened to me personally. <laughs> but, um, so I think that's a thing. But I think it also kind of stands, like, if, if someone is, like, if you've become a cliche, you made it. You did. You know, yeah. if you did Correct. something, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's all I was going to say. I Meryl like, Streep the same thing. Like, when's the last really? time Meryl Streep turned in, like, a really excellent performance? And wasn't just being like generally Meryl Streepy. That's oh, my question. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> generally Meryl, Meryl Streepy. Streepy. I mean, that's true. I don't know very many of her movies to be it's honest. Like, it's so. really high quality work still, but it's like, you know, at some point people coast. Yeah, that's true. But are, is it because there are like not roles written for them to be true. awesome again in? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like the writing is so good that it became iconic, and that's why they're like they keep rebooting it. Yeah, because it was it's never sure. been not rebooted. Like it's never been not a thing. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. that was like Silence of the Lambs was like Anthony Hopkins like big like breakout role in in America. Yeah. So like it's not only like you know a really meaty role, but it's also like kind of the first time that Americans really like became aware of him. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, a oh, rich kind of supporting player. Yeah, he was a Shakespearean, right? Yeah. He was a classically mm-hmm. trained actor yes. first. And then, Which oh, I also, think shows a lot. Yes, but also, like... Like, in a good way. We don't have to talk about him doing Othello in okay. blackface, but, I mean... Well, no, let's save that for a rainy I day. Like, but I just feel like it was, like, a really traditional series of, like, yeah. trainings, and then it's, like... I don't know, I just feel like everything was so intentional, not only because that character is so deliberate in what he says and does, but also, like, the actor got it. Yes. Yeah. It was well done, for sure. Okay. But, so, obviously, he is this huge, iconic role, and he is a serial killer, essentially. He's a cannibal to cannibal. But, like, how did he get that way? And that was always something, as someone who's read the series of the books that I was really fascinated with, and especially being in the career field that I am now. So for those of you that don't know, I am a adolescent behavior therapist. And a lot of my work that I have done is in foster care. So a lot of my research has been on like the functions of behavior and why are we the way we are? Why do we do what we want to do? And also like how does trauma affect child development? And it's not really talked about in Silence of the Lambs specifically, but Hannibal Lecter has had his share of some really gruesome brutal trauma so like back in the day his parents had both been killed and his sister and him had been kidnapped and then in front of his eyes his sister Misha was murdered and then eaten so a lot of like kids that have experienced a lot of trauma they have (coughs) sorry I just like swallowed my wine weird let's edit that out we're drinking Chianti we are drinking Chianti (laughs) because dessert wine for everyone it's so fitting (laughs) But, yeah, kids with trauma, they mimic what they see. They have a lot of unhealthy attachments, which means that they don't have much ability to handle stress. They react violently to inappropriate situations. They're unable to express their emotions. Complex trauma also tends to show, like, through research, there's problems with authority figures. And we see all of that, really, in Hannibal Lecter. He especially had a lot of really brutal complex trauma as a youth and some of those show him like his inability to like regulate his 
body, he over and under responds to stimuli, he engages in risky behavior, like all these telltale signs of how trauma affect us, you know, and a lot taken from him really young, and it seems like he kind of imitated what he saw as people getting kidnapped and murdered and ultimately eaten is what he had experienced as a kid, and then... <clears throat> but, like, he, he even, like, says he's talking about this trauma, and he says, but, like, that's not why I'm like this. And so it kind of hints at the fact that he was always just, like, pure evil. Yeah. And, like, in some ways, like, that's even scarier just because, like, that trauma for him that, like, would explain away all of, like, his evil, like, honestly, like, it didn't have it. Like, he probably found it amusing. Like, yeah. and so in the show, he, he probably just, just amplified it for him, but. Yeah, in the show, he's just like, I was always like this. <laughs> yeah, and then also you have to consider, too, like, plenty of children go through terrible things and don't become cannibals. Correct, mm -hmm. but do most children that undergo trauma have their parents kidnapped, brutally murdered, have their sister kidnapped with you, and then watch your sister brutally murdered and then eaten? Well, okay, so we're getting to, like, nature nurture now. I mean, I, th I again, like, I think we'll get to it later as well, that looking at, you know, thumbing through my diagnostic manual, I've kind of, in a very informal and unprofessional manner, essentially diagnosed Hannibal Lecter by what I see on screen. Sure. But I do think that it was extreme. Like, his trauma absolutely exasperated his behavior. Like, <laughs> tenfold. There are, I mean... Everyone handles trauma differently, clearly, but I think it's easily to be argued that the average child does not experience the level of trauma that was written about or portrayed in this. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I hope. a sibling killed and eaten would probably do more damage than, like, a parental divorce. Yeah. Like, I just want to see that, like, fight at the lunch table, like, you're bitching about your parents get divorced. Let me tell you about the time. <laughs> Misha was eaten. Ate my sister. <laughs> so one thing that I w was going to ask you guys was um, about the nature of Clarice and Hannibal's relationship, but I don't know the Hannibal Rising stories. Do you see any parallels between them and his and Hannibal with his sister? Or no? Is that I, nothing? <laughs> it's like a retcon thing because Hannibal Rising was written as a prequel and it like came out after like after Hannibal. Yeah, you know, like frankly after Thomas Harris like lost his mojo. Oh. And like the the Misha story is actually part of Hannibal, but like even that, like that came out so much far longer after Silence of the Lambs and, and Red Dragon that I, I mean when I look at the original text and look at the original film, I really see that as almost kind of a um, like a not a romantic relationship, although a lot of people read it that way, and that's basically just because they like rub fingers when they're passing off the file. Yeah, I, I like I see it as kind of like a Pygmalion relationship, like yeah, for sure. Lecter is like trying to like remake himself in Clarice, and it's not necessarily like a romantic or a sexual thing. It's more of like an, an ego thing for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the whole cannibalism thing too. Is like by eating people and like whooping them out, like he's purifying them and like making them not offensive. That's fascinating. Um, I kind of got the artist muse vibe too. I didn't go so far as Pygmalion, and um, but I did see though like that whole uh, artist muse type of thing because he. I always thought that Hannibal was gay 
or at least not attracted to women. I don't know. I just my brain just assumed. I just assumed that Hannibal was basically asexual. I didn't see Hannibal as interested in anybody but himself. But yeah. but his murders are sexual in nature. Like they're if that makes sense. Like with, yeah. with the they're organized and mm-hmm. if not like overtly sexualized, then they they have there's some kind of power dynamic that's in play. And um, the whole finger stroke thing. So I taught this like very recently this past semester, and all of my students were like they couldn't explain why they were so grossed out about like that when he hands her file back to her, yeah. and he like he like touches her her finger. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, I couldn't figure out for a long time like what that was, but then I thought about like the it's on this I think it's Sistine Chapel ceiling. Um, Michelangelo oh, yeah. reaching yeah. to, to um, I mean, sorry, God reaching toward Adam, and so that yeah. kind of has like the a really like similar thing. Similar Except for vibe. I think that plays more yeah. on like knowledge, uh, which is what he is literally giving her yeah. in her case file. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he he could be doing that job so much better and faster than she is. Correct. And so I get like I get the Pygmalion thing too, like creating who you. You know, mini selves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like who we could be. <laughs> yeah. It's because the whole like the whole movie is about like reshaping and like remaking things. And so it, you know, you've got Buffalo Bill who's like trying to like remake himself and Hannibal who like I he's just like he's got his tentacles and everywhere. And the really interesting thing about about Hannibal is that like he's so like intelligent and so well read and all of that, but like ultimately he's just like kind of like a teenage boy in a lot of ways like his whole when he brings in the senator like his whole speech about (laughs) toughening her nipples and things like that is essentially like saying like oh it's just a prank bro like that's really all it is like he's he's like he's like a child in some ways still because he's just amusing himself yeah for sure if he was a ghost he'd be a poltergeist he would be a poltergeist absolutely so would i (laughs) yeah but not like that. No, not in the same way. But I feel <laughs> like I would definitely way. be a poltergeist. <laughs> no, but I definitely think a lot of what he does <clears throat> all goes back to his ego and things that are just like, it's amusing to him to just watch all these little people crawl around and he knows the answers already. And I think in my head, I know a lot of stuff research-wise says, you know, like, Hannibal Lecter is a a psychopath or he's a sociopath. And I just need to clarify here briefly that those are not a diagnosis. Those are not disorders at all. Okay, but a lot of people are... So I'm yelling at our listeners, not at you, not at Clint. You cannot be a psychopath by disorder. However, I think that he has antisocial personality disorder. For sure. And then you look like, by definition, it's like lack of interaction, socially inappropriate comments, impulsive, violent, delusions of grandeur. Like, there's subcategories of antisocial personality disorder. And one of those subcategories is very confusingly called antisocial personality disorder, which is different than its umbrella term, even though it's by the same name. And I, for sure, if I had to peg him in one of these based off just by the text or these movies... He definitely fits into one of these little pegs because he doesn't really fit the definition of a psychopath. And he doesn't fit the definition of like, or like psychopathic tendencies or sociopathic tendencies, but he definitely fits 
textbook-wise, all the little checks in the DSM for antisocial personality. And he even tells you, and I went and I never really caught on to it before, but after I had kind of gone through grad school and got my master's, I had a much bigger knowledge of like psychiatric medication and whatnot. And so I remember watching Silence of the Lambs a couple months ago and just like text screaming at you, Mary Kay. And I was like, I get the line when he's like, it's the last person that bored me. I ate their liver with no, fava beans and the Chianti. A census worker tried to, tried to test me <clears throat> once. There we go. And I ate their liver with like a side of fava beans and a nice Chianti, you know, his most famous line. And then it had clicked in my head at that point, and I'm going to go through my notes because I don't ever want to pronounce names wrong, and I do that frequently, but he's on a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and what that does is it balances your brain chemicals by inhibiting the enzyme for the monoamine oxidase, basically. It's an antidepressant, but it's also used as an antipsychotic, but if he's eating liver and fava beans and drinking Chianti, he's not taking his medications. And him being a psychologist is making like this little joke that only he understands and he thinks amusing because on M-A-O-R-I's, you cannot have red meat, specifically organ meat. You can't have alcohol. And most legumes you cannot have, like fava beans are high on that list. So for him to make that joke, he's telling you very specifically, I am likely to snap again. Stop pushing me. The last person that did this, I ate. Also, side note, I'm not taking my meds. That's interesting. I like it. The only thing that I have to say about all of the diagnosis so far is that I think he's really, really aware of social norms. Oh, I think he is too. And I think he's extra, extra aware of everything else because he is a psychiatrist himself. There's a great line in the show when... um, Hannibal's talking to uh, Bedelia, who's played by Gillian Anderson, who's his psychiatrist, and she, like, refers to, like, his social interactions as him wearing his human suit. Or not his human suit, that's from Donnie Darko, his person suit. (laughs) There you go. Um, So he's very, he's got a very sophisticated person suit, but, like, under that, like, you know, who knows what's going on. That's true. And I feel like, sorry, Clint, what'd you say? That's not me. Don't worry. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Just husband in the background. Um, the uh, so the but the thing is, like, he cares a lot about social graces, and I don't. I mean, that's what you said about antisocial was like they don't like them, but I, it's very important to him because that's why he offers to help Clarice at all is because Migs seagulls her, correct? And then he's like, "Wait, come back here." And he's like, I would never have had that happen to yeah. you. I hate rudeness. He says, discourtesy is unspeakably yes. ugly to me. Yeah. I have this movie memorized. I've yeah. seen it like times. So one of the first times that I knew that... I was Clint's TA, you guys, a long time ago. Oh, long nice. I was wondering how everybody knew each other. Yeah, and um, one of the times that I knew for sure, like, I'm going to be your friend forever is because you... <laughs> I was like, I finally figured out who you sound like, and he sounds like Dan Levine. <laughs> and he's like, one time... I think you told me this. Maybe I made it up. But um, <clears throat> you, re- like, said the whole movie in the cab ride home with somebody? <laughs> Boy, like, I feel like this is an interesting aside. So I was visiting my friend in New York, and he was a medical student. And I did not, like, fit in with those people. And, like, I was single at the time. And, like, I was still, like, trying to be, like, a straight person, I guess. I'm gay in case nobody picked up on the yet. Um 
And so, like, my, my friend was like, oh, there's this girl, like, she thinks you're kind of cute, like, you should, like, talk to her, and, like, I don't know, like, what the plan was, but so, <laughs> I guess, like, by way of trying to impress her, speaking of, like, social graces, um, in the cab ride from Manhattan to Brooklyn, which was a pretty long cab ride, like, it was winter, it was snowing, it took probably 30 minutes, so in the space of about 30 minutes, I proceeded to perform it's simply the first act uh, <laughs> like with all the voices and, I would have been so impressed if I was on a date with this at the end like she was like not into it and I was like what's up with this like, and it was in that moment that you knew that you were not straight and that's I guess that's when it all took for me like I definitely got to like when Clarice is like I thought his uh, look deep inside yourself was a little bit like she's like talking about like his <laughs> anagram for like the storage unit. Like I definitely got that far, like to the point where like the old guy with the weird accent is like trying to help her get the, <laughs> the- yes <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> she's trying to find that head in the jar. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> where are you from, sir? And why do you own a storage unit? So that's my story. And I'm just glad that I found someone who can love me for me. Yay. <laughs> that's all everyone wants. They got married this year. <clears throat> can I have some more wine? Yeah. Would you like some more wine? <laughs> yeah. For real? Okay. I was trying to deflect the whole, you guys got married this year, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um... Okay, so speaking of, our next thing on our list is LGBTQ under or overtones. So that was a nice segue. I like Thank under you. slash overtones. Under over, because it's all around. Um, so what I was noticing is, although we have diagnosed, or Megan really, has diagnosed um, Hannibal Lecter, he diagnoses... Um, James Gum is his real name, right? Yes. Buffalo Bill's real name. Correct. Um, he diagnoses him, and he's like playing with her the whole time. Yeah. And at one point, I think the quote is, and Clint, you can check me on this because I know you know it by heart. <laughs> um, uh, he he is not a real transgender. He says he's not a real transsexual. Not a real transsexual. Go. Excuse that me. That was the term of art in the in the nineties. Yes, right. I. I knew I was going to get it wrong. That's the part I thought I was going to get wrong because I know that's yeah. a fairly recent term. new terminology. Yeah. Um, so, um, which as I was watching it this time, I was like, um, I'm not really sure that's an okay thing to tell someone. <laughs> I don't I think know. so. But um, yeah, that's the things is that when the movie came out, and like this is like obviously like before trans awareness was like really a thing. Right. But it was this movie like was seen to have set back trans rights and trans awareness and trans acceptance by, like, a lot. Yeah. And, like, everybody, there's a... If you, if you like me, have seen all of the special features on the DVD, <laughs> you know that, like, Jonathan Demi, like, was totally blindsided by that. Like, he felt really, really bad about it for a long time. But, like, even, like, the, the kind of hedging it with, like, he's not a real transsexual, which I don't know if that was, like, Paris, like, trying to, like, avoid this already marginalized community um and like that's i don't know enough about it to like not put my foot in my mouth about it but i think the idea was that like he's not a transsexual or a transgendered person he's just like 
a person who wants to cut up women and like wear their skin. Right. Which I assume are two, like they're obviously two totally different things. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, even Clarice says like, no, that can't be right because, um, and this is of course like in the context of the movie, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. I know, but, um, she says, no, transsexuals are very peaceful in nature. This is not a thing that, that, that wouldn't happen in this yeah. case. So, I mean, I do get it though. Like it's definitely villainizing a whole population. A group of people yeah. for sure. And like it's not I, I I think that like some people are capable of like understanding that subtlety, but like the vast majority of Americans are not. So yeah. the criticism is well taken. I think that might be part of like what makes the movie hold up from then until now too, because it came out like what, nineteen ninety ish. Ninety one? Yeah. 91-ish. Yeah, early 90s. But um, everybody still knows it. Like, Correct. You can, like, reference it whenever, and somebody will know this movie. Absolutely. But I think that, like, it's still dealing with a lot of the same issues then, or now, as it was then. Mm-hmm. I think and so. Then kind of, sure. Say that right? You did. Like, kind of the other thing, too, is, like, the, when we talked about, like, Lecter being, like, asexual or gay, like... There's definitely, like, some very heavy coding happening. Um, and, like, even in Hannibal, like, the Ray Liotta character, Paul Krendler, says, like, I always, like, pegged him for a... And then he calls him the F word. Um, and, like, because, yeah, Hannibal, like, he, like, wears fancy suits. He is really interested in food. One of the interesting things about Silence of the Lambs is, like, it's all about, like, him being a cannibal and being, like, this big gourmand. But they really don't ever talk about food, or they really don't ever show food either. Um... But so he has all of these sort of, like, trappings of, like, an effete gay man. And then, like, Clarice is kind of, like, coded as sort of, like, a dowdy lesbian. Mm-hmm. With her good bag and her cheap shoes. And she's just, like, always wearing, like, these very boxy kind of pantsuit numbers. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I can certainly understand, like, why, like, queer people have kind of, like, adopted it as one of our texts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, cool. Um, because it's almost kind of like it's about like a gay man and it's just like <laughs> and I don't know it's very it's interesting when you and our little face we have a Facebook chat that's called like it puts the lotion on the skin no, or no I it's call called it, or, or else it gets the hose again there we go and you went on that whole spiel about how <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is basically just Hannibal grooming a hag I yeah. died <laughs> She's I mean, not a that's hag, like a though. big alien thing. Like he's trying to find like his hag, or he's trying to find his beard. Like he's, <laughs> he's, you know, this, you know, maybe not a lesbian, but certainly like a straight girl that he can like do a makeover on, you know, and like let's do your hair, honey, like, and then we'll go to dinner, um, you know. Yeah. And then Another she finds nineties makeover movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the rewrite right there. Like, when they do a reboot, it's just going to, Hannibal's just going to be real chatty. <laughs> <laughs> so I like Crawford. Crawford is good. He's based on, what, Robert Ressler, right? From, yeah. Which, by the way, if I don't know if y'all have read who whoever, I'm going to get the title wrong, whoever hunts monsters. I have not read it. Okay, well, get that shit on audiobook because it is dope. Will do. It's so I mean, it's not. Like, as it's happening, it's like, ah, no. But then you have, like, so much to talk about at the next holiday party you go to. Yes. It's like, it's, I mean, it's like Mindhunter, but it's different, guys. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. I trust your taste. Wait, uh, so we talked about Crawford a little bit. I like him. I like him fine. 
I think he's a good old guy. Good old dude. Good old guy. And I feel like I would love to have been his protege also. Yeah. However, Chilton. However, Chilton. Chilton is amazing. Talk more about that. The Mary Kay space. <laughs> I wish you could see it right now. <laughs> is like, so what I said was that he's like the poster boy for hashtag me too. And that, like, he's just, like, so greasy and oily and, like, self-promoting. And, like, he he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a very important official and I, I'm in charge of a, a famous asylum with, like, sort of, like, you know, Lecter's, like, his sort of, like, pet project. And, like, he has all of these, like, kind of, like, I'm going to get laid tonight lines that he tries to, like, lay out <laughs> on people and never work. And so oh when he does, like, oh, he's a monster. Like, that's him, like, trying to seem really sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And, like, Clarice, who's, like, obviously, like, used to this kind of BS, like, is just not having it. And, like, when she rebuffs him, he just does not know what to do about it. And Because apparently it's worked for him before? What the fuck? It's for him before. Like, he's <laughs> obviously just, like, knee-deep. And, like, I guess people... <laughs> knee-deep was not the right <laughs> Like, I guess, like, what's his, you know, he's wearing sort of that tweed coat, and, you know, what's his, like, target audience for that? that <laughs> he don't know nothing. He don't know nothing. He's trying his hardest. I guess. I mean, but the thing is, like, Cl- I mean, Clarice likes, I mean, she likes some people. She's, mm-hmm. He's gross. Like, when the, what's the bug guy? He asked her out. Uh, he's like, do you ever have cheeseburgers and things like that? Yes. Well, in the book, they actually end up hooking up with They these. do. Yeah. Oh, bug guy. Her and Bug, dude. Well, I mean, his approach was, like, not gross. No. Yeah. It seemed did. much more genuine. Well, also, like, he's, like, a smart guy. Yeah. He's, smart. Like, he's the Bug he, dude. When he flirts back, he, like, loses it, though. <laughs> it's kind of endearing, though, right? <laughs> it's pretty cute. Um, so, I don't know. I mean... It's sort of feminist. I like Clarice. I like that she is up and coming and she's like shaking it up a little bit. She's showing that she means business. She's not taking any shit off of anybody. But then also, we have Jame Gum again. Yes. Who Mm -hmm. does like, it's a very selective feminism in this movie, I think. I think it's... I think so. I really don't think that it is feminist. And, like, yeah, there's a strong female protagonist who, like, gets the job done on her own. But, like, if you think just about how often she is being, like, acted upon by men and it's, like, being manipulated by men and, like, that's not something that's ever really resolved. No. That's true. You know... And it's always, like, the, even the very last line is, like, you know, or the very last scene when, when Annabelle calls her back and he says, I have no plans to call on you. Like, you know, we as the audience are still, like, oh, like, if he wanted to, like, he could, like, really get her. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not that she would, like, not waste his ass like she did with Buffalo Bill. <laughs> like, the idea is that, like, she's always going to be acted upon by minute. Something that, like, the sequel really plays on, too, is, like, you know, the last thing that you see, you know, Clarice Starling doing in Hannibal, the movie, not the book, because the book ending is, like, it's really anti-feminist, because Hannibal brainwashes her, and they go on, like, a sex tour of South America. Um, <laughs> no! <laughs> true story. Uh, 
Hannibal in the in the book, the sequel, Hannibal straight up brainwashes Clarice. Ah. Uh, go on a sex tour of South America, and then Barney sees him and he's freaked out. Um, so, but I like, like Barney, Barney's in, good people. Yeah, Barney's all right. Like, but in like the, in, the, in, the, in the sequel, like the last thing you see Clarice doing with Hannibal is like he's handcuffed her, and like she makes the decision not to harm her. Like she has no agency. You're talking about in Hannibal. Talking about in Hannibal. Oh, yes. Okay. And then with that relationship, you almost kind of wish. I mean, like Chilton at least like wasn't gonna like cut her up or like eat her or anything. I mean, just, not not literally, figuratively. You figuratively. know he would have. Nasty, sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I am so much. He said he just wants to take her to the escapades. Oh. With his one ticket. With his one ticket, that's an interesting Go read the book, the thing that Chilton says after Clarice says she didn't want to go out with him. He's like, well, I do have a ticket, singular, to the ice capades. So, obviously his government salary is paying for a lot of luxury <laughs> items. Oh, Chilton. <laughs> I feel for him. Um, I do, but I also, I hate him also deeply, so... I mean, he's slimy. He's so slimy. He is slimy. That's a good word for him. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Ted Levine. Do it. I dare you. I want you guys to talk about Ted Levine. He's like the great unsung performance of oh this gosh. film. He's impeccable. I think. Like, he's, like, it's just, it's so, like, he, I think, you know, the dog is, the Precious is there, like, kind of humanize him, but, yeah. like, he, yes. like, from, like, the voice to, like, the physicality, to, like, almost kind of, like, the comedy of that role. Like, he just, like, he throws himself 100% into it. Like, yep. I don't know of many actors who would, like, willingly, like, sign on to do a penis tuck and just be like, this is going to be the Dance thing around. for forever. It's going to be this penis yeah, tuck. This and is what like, I'm going to be famous for. Yeah, but... I yeah. keep trying to get famous for it, but nobody's famous <laughs> for it. That's awesome. I think I almost feel bad for Jodie Foster because, like, she does, like, an amazing job, too. But, yeah. like, she is the one who, like, doesn't get to do the showy performance. Like, No. Yeah. Well, maybe guess, if she had a better accent, she could. She gets her, her, like, monologue. But, like, you know, Hannibal Lecter gets to say all kinds of crazy things. And then, like, sure. I mean, my favorite line in movie history is just, like, when James Gunn looks at yeah. Clarice. Like, he's like, wait, was she a great big crap person? Like, <laughs> My favorite line in movie history is, I'd fuck me, would you fuck me? When he's putting yeah. on his lipstick. <laughs> Correct. I didn't even know, because I saw it on TV so many times before I saw it for real, and I was like, what's he singing? And then I finally, and I was like, yes, yeah, perfect. Oh. Love it. Yeah, she so. doesn't get to do any wacky stuff, but she's the straight man. Yeah, know? I mean, it's yeah. like, and there are these two, like, big performances, like, are, that are sort of bookending her, right. even though it's She's basically almost in every scene, and so she's the one carrying the movie. Um, yeah. yep. And you know, and the other two are sort of acting from like, well, Anthony Hopkins is always acting from behind bars, basically. Right. But you've got to do some really interesting modulated work, and it's not really broad emotionally. And then Ted Levine just gets to just it's so it's loopy, like it's it's so great, and it's a really showy performance, but he doesn't go over the top with it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I think the only reason that it's become so satirized, like you said, is because it's just really hard to deal with. It is. Yep. Like, it's a lot. 
Like, it's a lot of things that happened to one human mm-hmm. that manifested in a, a really sad and upsetting yeah. situation. And, like, one yeah. of you had said before, like, it was not something that was a super common topic back in 1991 when the film came out. And I don't think in 2017, almost 2018, it's still something that we've really, as a society, worked out or become to understand. We're getting better, but... Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, it's much easier to laugh at it than it is to be, like, what's to contemplate happening there. It and... Which is one of my... Pet peeves about going to a live show is like, okay, if you can't watch human emotion happen on stage, like, stay at home. Yeah. Stay at home and watch Saturday Night Live. Not that there's anything, no shade. No shade. To Saturday Night Live because it's valuable and awesome. But also, like, you can't laugh at a really moving performance of Macbeth. No. That's not fair. (laughs) Like, they're doing their job. Yeah. It's not okay. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, not that that is, I mean, it's tomatoes and tomatoes, but. Tomatoes and tomatoes. Yeah. Different kind of crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still relevant. Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, even still, like, being able to, like, being able to laugh at something means, like, you've, like, put it in a box, and it's just much easier to handle because you've found humor in it, which is, I mean, that's a lot of the way, like, that's how you get into it first, right, is being like, oh, this is funny because of this, and then that helps you kind of deal with it if you can laugh at it. I think so. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's probably, I mean, I think that's part of why it's been so... Um, yeah. It's so iconic because, like, so many people have made fun of it because it's hard to take. I mean, not it's not it's not hard to take seriously, but it's hard to do. It's hard with to process. It's hard to chew on sometimes. Also, in some ways, like, making fun of it and parodying it is the only way that you can sort of even approach it because, right. like, it's, so, it's such a master class in everything yep. that you certainly can't, like, top it, if that makes sense. So... There's, I mean, I just think about, like, Backdraft. Remember that movie? It was, like, Kurt Russell and, like, the firefighters fighting really? the demon fire, right? And so, but it has that same structure where, like, at some point they go see, like, the crazy guy in the asylum who, like, is the serial arsonist, and it's, like, freaking Donald Sutherland. And, like, they're clearly cribbing from Silence of the Lambs with that, but it's just, it's so obvious that they're cribbing and they're trying to be serious about it, but it just doesn't work. It's, like, the same way that all of those stupid... Pulp Fiction ripoffs came out in like the late 90s mm-hmm. and so we ended up with freaking Boondock Saints where instead of like being witty and all of that and like you know really delivering insightful dialogue they're just kind of doing like pseudo Irish prayer crap and everything's <laughs> like oh it's so Tarantino-esque and I'm like exactly it's not Tarantino <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a watered down version yeah um, so, what makes... Did we do editing? Oh, no, we didn't. Or I yeah. guess that's kind of what you were talking about just now. Yeah. Is that the, the editing of it? Yeah. Of the film? I think that's one of your things, Clint. I think, well, yeah, I mean, just one of the things that um, this movie doesn't... Like, it, if you were, like, going to take a film class about it, probably, like, the first thing that they would talk about would be the writing and the performance, Right. Because, like, yeah. the writing is so sharp. Like, I think one of the reasons that and this was in the notes earlier is that, like, Hopkins, like, does such a good job is because the writing is almost kind of pseudo-Shakespearean in a lot of ways. Hang on. Well, America's got, phone, like, this weird, like, off. boinging noise going off right now. My phone's ringing. No one ever, no one's called <laughs> me since 2004. What's happening? <laughs> Who is it? It's my dad. Oh. I'll call him back. Sorry, I thought that was on silent. Okay, so <laughs> last thing you were saying, I'm sorry, it was right by the speaker too. Hey, I, I remember that one time, like I like kind of met your dad, but didn't really like. 
Oh, yeah, because we went on that road trip <laughs> um, a long time ago. And yeah, you yelled in the phone, oh, sorry, I drive like an old woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got there, Seth. I did. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so what I was saying is that, like, the first thing that people talk about when they talk about this film is, like, the performances and the writing. And, like, I think Hopkins really did so well in the role, partly because the writing is very, like, kind of pseudo-Shakespearean in some ways. Like, it's very... There's a flow to it, and it's kind of like... it's Especially for that character, it's like... It's almost, um... Like... Um... What am I trying to say here? I lost my train of thought. You were so it's good a, Shakespeare. It's the, it's the way that you wish you could talk. Oh, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. It's like, it's in meter almost. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's in meter almost. Especially, like, in, in some places where you can really tell. Um, where they're trying to go for that. And the writing and the performances are obviously really sharp. But then, like, the other thing to think about is the fact that it's really, really, really well directed and really, really well edited. Hmm. Uh, like, if you're thinking about her first encounter with Lecter, the way that they introduce him in the script is one way, right? They spend a lot of time talking about him, which is, like, classic creative writing, like, you know, give your villain, like, a big reveal or whatever. Right. But notice that that entire time they're going down staircases. Ooh, I didn't, see, I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. Oh. And so they're descending into hell, and at one point when Chilton says, I'm going to show you this picture about the time he ate her tongue... Mm-hmm. Um, no, there, it's, the red lighting is there, and so like they're literally descending into hell. Um, and that's just through that's the funny. editing. That's the direction that's happening, and that's where it's kind of like you really have to give Jonathan Demi a lot of credit for making these performances work. Yeah, I love it. Like, without establishing that atmosphere, like it's just essentially like it's 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 so easy for it to just be overacting. Yeah. Yeah. With, the toss of, of the camera movements and the way that it's being cut together. And then, you know, the same thing with, like, when, when Hannibal's escaping, like, the way that that scene is cut together is so tight yeah. that once you know what's going, what's going to happen, you know, but, like, I didn't, I certainly didn't guess it the first time that, like, oh, like, he is just, like, wearing that guy's face. <laughs> and everything about it is designed to, like, trick you, but, like, if you pay enough attention, you can kind of solve the mystery before you actually get to the end of it. Right. Yeah, like, it's all there. And as soon as you get, like, a little bit of a reveal, it's like, oh, shit, it's been happening the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't feel cheated. It's not like, oh, I missed that one. You didn't tell me that one piece of information that would have made everything lock into place. So, I I mean, yeah, I loved it. The movie as a whole was beautifully, beautifully done. Absolutely. And as far as, like, the adaptation from the book goes, it's, like, really close. That's what I was about to say. I'm usually left disappointed by book-to-film adaptations, at least in some regards. And I, at no point in this series, felt like that. I mean, I don't know about the whole series because I've only read this, the book Silence of the Lambs. But um, I like that. And then I, I also, as far as the... The, the scene that stands out most to me besides the scenes with Buffalo Bill looking down into the pit that Catherine is in, yeah. which that alone is like, and then she sees the fingernails in the it's wall horrifying. and just starts like freaking out. And I mean, that whole, like, I don't even know how to like, com- like talk about that. There's so much shit that's perfect in that la- mm-hmm. in those like the last third of the movie. But the, I think the part that like puts that into motion is when Hannibal is like teaching her how to find him. Yes. And he's like, 
what does uh, how do we learn to covet? Yes. I think that that whole lot, those whole that whole section of dialogue is just perfect because she's like, well, he wants this, and he goes, no, that's uh, what is it? In- incidental. <laughs> that's yeah. incidental, and he just like his face never changes. He's just the whole time like the patient parent, yeah, being like you'll Teaching. get to it on your own. And she's like, just tell me, and he's like. No, you won't learn anything if I just tell you. Like it's such a cool dynamic I to me. It, it's really it, fun to it. watch. Like and another time. note on direction in that scene. Yeah. Where the way that the it's framed even. So Clarice is kind of in a medium shot and you can see her shoulders and everything. Mm-hmm. But like when they do the cross cutting back to Hannibal, like it's just his face. Yeah. Like, and he never know. blinks. Ever. It's so micro expression, yeah. And um, she's uh, she like you said like it's her I guess like rib cage positioning up, and she's pacing too while mm-hmm. it's happening which I think is really cool because I I don't think it the camera moves with her I think she's moving inside yeah. the shot. Yeah. either and then the way I think it's shot too is that, like you know the you know it's 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 very cliche to say this but like is you know is it keeping Hannibal in or is it keeping her out because like I mean, you see her through those bars too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like almost like a cheap cinematography trick, but like the fact of the matter is, is it like, oh yeah, like you were clearly thinking about how you framed these things. It's, yeah. it's not a dash at all. No, none of it is. Also, another shot that I really like <sighs> is um, as she's, and this is in the very beginning, and this, this is just like, you know, what stands out to you or what stands out to me. And I feel like what stands out is never on accident, I guess. Yeah. So like when she, like after the scene or the scene, scenes when they're descending and then she walks through and sees all the other convicts and he's at the end of the hall yeah. like that's a stylistic choice like she sure. didn't have to be at the end of the hall no i don't know i think that's really cool it's like like again if you if you watched all the dvd extras i have <laughs> to know that like hopkins and Demi like discussed like what he was going to be doing in the cell and, like, they decided that the creepiest thing possible is that he's standing up and he's waiting for her. Yeah. And it was creepy. Yeah, and, and like, think about how scary it is turn around a corner and somebody's just, like, standing there, like, waiting for you. <laughs> didn't think was going to be waiting for you. They'll scare the shit out of you even if you live with them. Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you standing here like this? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And like, well, and then like Hopkins says, like, well, the reason he's waiting for her is because he can smell her, which is like even, even more messed up, creepier. Uh, he says, I myself cannot, but you like, use Evian scream, skin cream, but not today. Are you impressed? Hey, I got it. Are you impressed? That was right. It's a right you. I'm gonna make you a cookie. <laughs> Don't tempt <laughs> me. <laughs> Don't tempt you with a good time. And sometimes you use Evian skin cream, but not today. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, so I think the only things that we haven't talked about... Why is this horror? Yeah. What makes it scary? Other than the obvious, but... I mean, should you state the obvious, though? Sure. I feel, like, I feel like anything worth stating is worth overstating. Yeah. I think one of the things that made this scary, other than the obvious of serial killers and trapping people in wells and kidnapping, is that... It's fairly realistic. It's the idea of alluding back to the fact that you're doing this with two Bundys, apparently. It's the idea that, like, a well-to-do, well-dressed, educated, intelligent, like, brilliant man is responsible for mass destruction, basically. And he's charming. He's disgusting, yet you want him to like you. 
can do. Anyway, you want I definitely want to be. You yeah. want his respect. You want him to like you. And I think that's what's scary is you. She want to do his bidding. You want to make him proud. But obviously, this man is responsible for ending the lives of innocent people and eating them. But and you want to be like, I wonder if he would eat me. Does he like me? Yeah. Which because there's some of that too is like, especially in the show, like it's implied that he doesn't just eat people to purify them, but he also like eats them to absorb them because he loves them so mm-hmm. much. Um, so I think also it plays on very classic fears about like female victimhood and sure. like the idea that like nobody's ever really safe if you know you're a woman in some ways, but like it could come for you any time and like even when you're just like trying to be like a nice person like helping this guy with a broken arm put his couch in a car at night why is he moving at night first of all Nobody i would tell him no that's illegal one. in the state of georgia did oh, you know that i did not yep now you know. can't move in the middle of the night oops i do that don't so, but like this i mean it's kind of like and the idea that like a senator's daughter could be a victim and there's yeah. the whole like the, that tom petty song is really intentional yeah. like he was an american girl raised on promises is like the first encounter that we have um, with her, and you know the very next thing we see happening to her is like she's being bludgeoned with a cast by a crazy person. Yep. Uh, so I think that that it's it's very powerful as like a text about like the dangers that women are constantly in through no fault of their own. Yeah. Uh, and then also like bodies, like this idea of like bodies that don't fit into categories that are very yeah. easy. That's part of it too, like. One of the reasons Buffalo Bill is scary isn't that he's transgendered, it's that he's, like, trying to, like, remake himself in, like, this very twisted way. Truly, yeah. yeah. He has the, the Franken-woman <coughs> yeah. suit. Yeah. And he wears Which the is, wig. I don't know how see. subtle that is. You just kind of see it in the background, yeah. but you never get a very good look at it. One of my students, bless it, he goes, he was so meticulous, though, you'd think he'd have matched the breast up. <laughs> he was like, you're not going to find another one that matches that one. I was like, that's true. I mean, that's correct. I mean, yeah, that's probably why he needed Catherine. I mean, that's what he, he yeah. like snaps her bra, right? When yeah. he gets her in the car and he's like, oh, this, he looks inside her yeah. tie and he's like, this is perfect. Um, which is, yeah, part of it too. And then also like, um, it, it, I mean, to build on the, the horror part of that you said earlier, um, uh, even though they have decided that he's not a woman, he thinks that he is. Yeah. Or she. I don't know. Pronoun like I have struggled real hard. Unless with someone the tells you the pronouns, you're struggling a little bit. Even even then, like sometimes I, I mess up, but um, I try to correct there you as go. soon as I can. Um, but yeah, so I think that there is something there too of like, well, he's not a victim, so he's not a woman. And so I think yeah. that's part, like, that kind of t- plays into it, which is not fair. And it's, it's not. a misrepresentation of so many things. But it's still, like, that's what this it's doing. It's what it's being portrayed, and yeah. that is kind of scary yeah. in its own thing. And then you also have, like, the, I mean, part, uh, you guys already said this, too. Um, but part of what makes Hannibal so scary is that he is so smart. He's so deliberate. He knows yeah. what you're going to do five, before you do it. Five steps out before you even think of it because he can predict human behavior so Correct. well. Correct. And then that manifests, like you said way earlier, Clint, with his polydactyly, his um, strange colored eyes, um, and then also like his just meticulous 
physical appearance of like he shows no emotion on his face he's able to Mm -hmm. keep that out Uh, and then also when he does conform to social norms which he does like he he values politeness a lot Mm -hmm. which means that he understands how humans are supposed to work without feeling the need to work that way it's robotic awesome and terrifying yeah Yeah. i think there's also like a commentary about like the fact that like he got away with it for so long and he's like running around in high society and it just kind of says something about how like how willing how willing people are to overlook red flags yeah. when we're enamored of somebody's like wealth or class or, or taste or, or something like that like because he's not like honestly in the way he's portrayed in the books he's not like the most like careful killer like it makes it seem like he's super intelligent but like you know, he gets caught because he was sloppy, basically. Like, Will Graham catches him because he, like, basically wanted to get caught. Um, or not wanted to get caught, but because he, like, didn't clean up after himself and, like, left some clues lying around. Rookie but mistakes. But the idea that, like, something, you know, something ought to tell you. Because, okay, so Hannibal Lecter, as you see him in the jail cell, is the same Hannibal Lecter that's, like, going to the symphony and all that stuff. And, like, yeah, he's, like, really cool to see on screen. Like, imagine if you were talking to that guy in real life. No. Like, like every, <laughs> there were just so many red flags being raised in your head. Like, this guy doesn't blink. He just <laughs> modulate his voice. <laughs> like, something's wrong. He's got excellent posture, which nobody does. But, I think um, I dated yeah, him, too. Yeah. <laughs> you have weird days of men. Shut up, I know. <laughs> okay I do too you're right Clint keep going I didn't mean to cut you off sorry that's really all I had to say like if he was a real human being like somebody should have known like a long time ago that like something is not right there (laughs) and like he's probably he's probably got bodies somewhere like or inside of him something is going on yep for sure but I think it says something about the willingness of, like, the rich to, like, forgive each other's sins. Yeah. Because Ooh. you're part of the club and we can't betray you. Gross. Ooh. It's so true. Gross. Yeah. Well, that's my hashtag. Occupy. <laughs> Occupy Hannibal Lecter. Well, <laughs> should we end on something exciting for, the, for our listeners? Let's do it! Like a, a reverse icebreaker? Ooh, yes. Yeah. I don't know, I do don't know what that is, but it sounds so exciting. So, things that I was like explaining about like a potential icebreaker was this idea. So, like, he, when Hannibal's in Tennessee and like he's locked up in that weird courthouse setup, which doesn't make any sense at all, mm-hmm. like, he asks for lamb chops and like for the Goldberg variations, like Lynn Gold. And so, I was just like thinking, like, it would be funny to, like, imagine, like, his alternative order. And, like, what I came up with was, like, Hannibal Lecter, like, orders, like, Mamwich and, like, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits. <laughs> and so when he's, like, sitting there with, like, all the blood on his face, that's really just, like... <laughs> What's so, a Manwich? Uh, Sloppy Joe. Okay, I was going to say Sloppy Joe. Yeah. So we have Sloppy Joes that are the brand, like... Oh, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's like the brand of Sloppy Joe right, canned stuff. Yeah. Ugh. 
Okay, so we're going lowbrow. Nope. We're we're end on, we're ending on satire. We did all the hard work, and now we get to make fun <laughs> we're gonna of it. We're going to end with a da I love it. Okay. I think I want him to have a can of cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered cranberry sauce, and I'm going to say... Shit, what is that guy's name? Hang on, I'm gonna say it again so that it's good. He did the songs for Jackass. Oh, I don't Richard know. Richard Allen name. Wade and Cranberry Juice. Cranberry <laughs> sauce. <laughs> Hannibal order his alternative order, his alternative lowbrow order. Cranberry sauce and Richard Allen Wade or David Allen Co. Done. Yeah. There you go. Oh man! Totally out of character. I feel like I want him. I was gonna say I feel like I want him to be super out of character and like super corny. Did I do it right? So I think you did it beautifully. Thank you. That was beautiful. I need a lot of validation. Okay. Well, Hannibal Lecter ordered chili cheese dogs with extra relish because that shit's groby, and then he listened to some Randy Newman. <laughs> You're a saint. <laughs> what a great episode. Yeah. Tell us, what would Hannibal's off the wall bullshit order be? Food and music. Lowbrow. Anyway. Yeah. Thank Clint. you a billion times over, Clint. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for joining us. This was super fun. As always. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Everyone say bye. Bye. Clint, say bye. Oh, he left. <laughs> oh, man, he hung up on us.